people's lives. And every Sunday, we've had new testimonies of how Jesus is touching people's lives. And we're talking from instantaneous healings to financial breakthroughs to relational reconciliations. And it is so fun when we have a faith-filled congregation yanking heaven into earth because then we get to see God do a bunch of fun stuff. So this morning, we got another testimony. Let's welcome my 18-year-old daughter, Isabella Grazettor. This is such a great testimony. Hi, everyone. Okay, so throughout the faith series, uh, my dad and I have been setting aside time to pray together and to take communion together, um, just uh, to build our faith and to uh, ask God to move in certain areas of our lives. Um, And so for me specifically, over the last couple months, um, it's been the Lord's guidance as I'm picking uh, where I'm going to go to college next year and what I'm going to major in and figuring out how I'm going to pay for it all. Um, and that's a really big factor for me, um, paying for it, because I really wanted to go to um, a Christian school, which means a private school. So all those are so much more expensive than if I was to go to a state school. So um, the only way that was going to be able to happen is if I got significant financial aid um, to go. So one of my top schools um, was Point Loma Nazarene, and Point Loma um, offers scholarships based on your GPA and your test scores. And so um, my GPA qualified me for their top scholarship, but my test scores were about 50 points too low. And um, the SAT is... And so is the microphone. Okay. There we go. (laughs) So the the SAT is on a 1,600-point scale, and so 50 points is not that much, except when um, you're like me and you took it four times already. And then my last two times, I got basically the same score, which means, you know, it probably there's not a chance, a chance that I'm really going to get much higher. But um, my dad and I decided to agree in prayer that if Point Loma was the school for me, that God would help me. Um, get that extra 50 points. And actually, we prayed for 80 points specifically. Yeah. I don't remember exactly why, but we prayed for 80 points specifically. And um, that's a really big increase for someone who's taken it four times and gotten the same score the last two times. Like, usually, if you get an 80-point increase at that point, they'll check you for cheating and stuff like that. So, so um... <laughs> Maybe we should talk before you continue this testimony. <laughs> So um, I registered for the March 9th SAT and continued to pray, and uh, I studied a lot, and my scores came back on Friday morning, and I opened up my score report to exactly an 80-point increase. (laughs) And I didn't tell my parents this yet, but I enrolled this morning um, in Point Loma Nazarene, so I'll be going to Point Loma next year. So, yes. Yeah. Thank you, God. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Great testimony, sweetheart. Thank you. Put this in that speaker hole. Awesome. Yeah, just drop it right in that hole right there. That's our, that's our mic stand. Yeah. Isn't that great? When they designed that speaker, they were thinking of us. So today, I'm going to uh, teach my last installment on our three-month faith series. <laughs> And uh, next Sunday, oh, uh, Bella, come back up real quick. Next Sunday, come on. Real quick, yeah, come on over. What's that? Oh, middle school, you're out. 
Okay, so um, Bell and I are going to Mexico uh, on uh, this Wednesday. We're leaving. Uh, I serve about 100 churches down in Mexico, all throughout southern and uh, central northern Mexico. And they all come together every, every year for a convention down there. And this year, Bella's going with me. And uh, we are just going to go down there and bless these churches and, and preach to them and pray for them and encourage them. So um, would you guys just pray for us real quick before I get into this teaching? Hey, Mark, can you run up here real quick and just pray over us? Grab that mic, hold the button until it turns green, and prophesy. As soon as he said that, I started getting a prophetic word for you. Really? And then you called me up, so I'm thrilled to be here. Um, This is your baptism into power. This is it. You're going to see an extraordinary number of people healed. It's going to be really powerful. It's going to change you. This is it. This is the one that's going to do it. You're going to move in tremendous spiritual authority. Just tremendous. That was in the prophecy. It's really good. What was? Huh. Anyway, you're, you're going to move in tremendous spiritual authority. It's going to be a brand new phase for you. It's going to usher in a whole new understanding of your spiritual authority. Okay, she just said that was in the prophecy, and I don't know what she's talking about. So can you well, use the mic? Oh, huh? from 2003, the prophecy that you showed me from 2003 said exactly what he just said. Oh, my goodness. So claim it. And listen, it's really important that you be bold. You just, as soon as you get, you get an impulse, you look at somebody who's sick, maybe they're not sick, you don't even know, you get an impulse, just go do it. Don't question, should I or should I not? If it's in the middle of worship, you go do it. If it's in the middle of your father's sermon, really go do it. But you just go, no, the, the, word, the word here for you is boldness. You've got to just absolutely, the, the Bible says the kingdom of God advances violently and violent people take it by force. You've got to have an attitude of violence about this. You are going to go down, do everything that pops into your head. And if it's wrong, so what? The Lord likes a good try. Okay? So you just get out there and give it everything you've got. You're going to see a lot of miracles. Awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. Good. Yeah. Unless you want to preach. <laughs> she says, sure, what's it on? Oh, now she's getting cocky, Mark. I think you. <laughs> Is there a difference between boldness and cockiness? So we have taught in this faith series on uh, what faith is, how it works, faith and hope, faith and patience, faith's development, faith in the blood covenant, faith in the authority of the name of Jesus. And today I'm going to cap this series with Faith and the power of faith-filled words. The power of faith-filled declarations. God created the worlds with his mouth. And then he created us in his image. There's no other creature that has the ability to speak to proclaim, to declare, to use words like we do. The creative ability of human beings is part of God's divine makeup. And I want to show this to you from the Scriptures because when we get into this territory, we think we're talking about the demonic. We think we're talking about 
witchcraft and soothsaying and conjuring and but you have to we have to understand that everything that God is and everything that God does Satan perverts Satan knows how powerful words are he knows the worlds are created by the words of God and so he perverts it and he uses it on the dark side we cannot allow him to have that I'm going to tell you a testimony right now you may or may not believe. And this is an example of how the devil gets the supernatural realm. And when when Christians talk about it, we're considered weird or fanatical. My sister and I were having lunch this week and she told me something that happened to her. And you can read this kind of stuff all through the Bible. But here's what unbelief does. Unbelief says, oh, yeah, I read that in the Bible back then. That's so cool. Like my son Josiah and I last night read, we're reading through 2 Kings, and we read like five different miracles that are just ridiculous. The water's poisoned. What do we do? And the prophet says, oh, bring me a bowl of salt. And he throws it in. He says, there, you can drink it now. And it was fine. Oh, I dropped, I I borrowed an axe and I threw it in, it fell into the water and it sank to the bottom of the lake. What do I do? And he says, oh, here, he throws a stick out. The prophet throws a stick on the water and the the metal axe head floats to the top of the water. You read that kind of stuff in the Old Testament. You're like, wow, that's pretty amazing stuff. Or you can say you're reading the book of Revelations like, oh, yeah, man, I can't wait for the future when these supernatural things take place. We all say amen to both the past and the future. But when you talk about it happening in March of 2019 in San Diego, California, oh, that's weird. But people spend billions of dollars on fortune telling. What is that about? Why isn't the church known for the supernatural? Jesus was, and he is our captain and our guide. So I'm going to tell you this freaky story. Ready? So my sister, she's going to put a couple dollars into a parking meter. And, and, and you know, you'd have to get the backstory, which I won't tell, but her and God were talking about prosper, or, uh, provision. And we all freak out about provision, right? And so she takes, she goes to the meter, and there was already, there was already time in it, so she couldn't put her $2 in. So she took $2, she put it in a little side pocket in her purse, and she goes shopping. And as she was shopping, she thought, oh, I better go out and check the meter. She went out, and it was time to put money in. So she takes out her $2, and she puts a dollar in the meter, and then she looks down, and she has $2 in her hand. And she was like, oh, okay, maybe I had $3 and I thought I had two. And some of you just thought that. Yeah, she finally just had $3. So she, okay, so she takes a dollar out of the two and she puts a dollar in the middle. She looks down, she has $2 in her hand. (laughs) See, now some of you right now are going, "Uh, I'm getting out of here. But hey. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Listen. Jesus saw thousands of people on a hillside. And he said, these guys are hungry. We should feed them. And he turns to his disciple and says, what, what should we do? And it says, he was testing him. He was testing him. What should we do? Talking to one of his disciples. In other words, you've seen me do all these kind of miracles. Oh, are you ready? Oh, I hope you're ready. What should we do? 
Unfortunately, they said, we don't know. Send them down to the town, to the restaurants. And Jesus is going, oy vey. They said, all we have are a couple loaves and a couple fish and a few loaves of bread, Jesus. What are we going to do? Jesus had already done the loaves and fish miracle earlier. He did it twice in the Gospels. Do you know that? He had already done it. It's like, now it's your turn. I'm trying to teach you how to walk by faith in the supernatural. Philip, multiply the bread. Do it. And Philip said, I don't know what we're going to do. Jesus said, let me have it. And of course, you know the story. He multiplies the bread and the fish, and all these people were fed. Jesus is trying to teach us how to walk like him. And faith-filled words and proclamations are a major part of Jesus' ministry, and many of his miracles were done just by speaking a word. So that's what I'm going to teach on today. The reality is faith speaks. Jesus says, all, you see this all through the Bible, the heart and the mouth are connected. What's in the heart comes out of the mouth, and it creates. It creates faith, or it creates fear, because fear also speaks. You think about, in the Old Testament, the story, many of you know it, some of you don't, where God had already promised the promised land, which is why it's called the promised land, because God promised them a particular territory in the Middle East. When they got to the edge of it, God says, okay, send 12 spies in to strategize how we're going to take this land that I've already given to you. And they go and they look at the land and they said, it is so unbelievably perfect, beautiful. And in fact, the grapes are so large, they had to get poles and put them on their shoulders to carry the grapes. Now, this is ridiculous. This kind of prosperity and fruitfulness and blessing. And this is our God. He wanted to give it to them. So they come back and they said, oh my gosh, the land is amazing. We had to carry the grapes on our shoulders. Can you imagine that? Going down to Albertsons and you go to the produce section and you see these grapes like this big. You bring them home. Hey, honey, look what Albertsons had today. And they said, but. So you got the congregation, God's people, all waiting for the spies to come back. And they're just waiting to take the promised land. And the 12 spies come back and 10 of them said, yes, the land is amazing, but, and here it comes, all this fear comes out of their mouth, but there's giants in the land. We can't take it. We can't do it. And these words, words are carriers. Words carry faith, they carry fear. They carry hurt and pain, they carry hope and joy. That's why we got to be careful with our words. People, that old that old childhood thing, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is like the most untrue thing that's ever been uttered on the planet. Sticks and stones will break my bones and I can get a cast and it'll be healed. But words go into you, and they can be in there for your entire life. That's why we need to be so careful with the words we speak to one another. We all need affirmation. We all need encouragement. We all need validation. We all need to know we count. 
And the devil is constantly telling us about our shortcomings and our failures. That's why when you live in a household or your family or your, or your, your blended family or your place of employment or at school or on a sports team or in a church where we are criticizing one another and pointing out each other's negative, negative attributes, it just cuts so deep because we need people around us to encourage us. And words are the primary source of life and death. In fact, the Bible says... Death and life are in the power of the tongue. James says, the tongue is like a rudder of a ship. He says, isn't it amazing? You can have a huge ship and a little rudder in the back. You turn it and it turns the entire ship. James says, our tongues literally set the course of our lives. And so these ten spies just spew Why? Because they were looking at the natural, and catch this, this is the most important point of this entire message today. They matched their words with their circumstances, what they saw. Their words agreed with the natural circumstances, and it produced fear, went through the whole congregation. Their hearts were filled with fear from the words that came out of the spies' mouths, went down into their hearts, and they had fear. And Joshua and Caleb saw it. They were the other two spies, and they jumped up and said, No! Stop! We can do this. We can take it. Our God is with us. But they were overpowered. They were outnumbered. It was too late. So they had to wait 40 years. God had to wait 40 years until that entire generation of unbelieving believers... You get that? Unbelieving believers. Oh, I believe in Jesus, but not much else. Had to wait till they died. Then Joshua and Caleb, 40 years later, said, all right, got a second shot. And basically, Joshua says, anybody that speaks against what God is saying, we're going to bury you in the sand. Because we're not, I don't have another 40 years. I'm already 80 years old. They, the Bible says that the spies brought back an evil report. Why was their report evil? Okay, I'm going to get you. Be careful. Watch out, here it comes. An evil report is defined as God says this, and we say, yeah, but. You don't understand my circumstances. Let me tell you about my circumstances. And we'll use our words to agree with the circumstances rather than using our words to agree with God's promises. Now, I do believe we can tell each other our circumstances. I need you to cast it into the sea with me. I need your faith. I need your partner with me. But that's different. You know what I'm talking about. That's different than agreeing with our circumstances that are contrary to the Word of God. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the boundaries of your life. The Bible says God sent His Word, and it, the Word, it healed them. Well, how did they get the word? Through a preacher. 
The Bible says the word preaching, the Hebrew word literally means to flow like water, to flow down like water. So when I'm preaching like this, the Holy Spirit's flowing out of me like water flows and words are coming at you. And the words, God's word coming out of me to you heals you if you believe it. And you to others around you. You have the Holy Spirit too. You speak words of life too and they heal people. Or they hurt people. What is your promised land that your words are speaking against right now? What are the big fat grapes God has in store for you? What promises are in the Bible for you and for your loved ones and for your ministry and for your destiny? What is it that God has already said over your life and your mouth is arguing against your promised land? James says the tongue is unruly. Nobody can tame it. But once you get born again and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you saturate yourself in the Word of God, you can decide, you can tell your rudder, I'm going to agree with the Word of God. I'm agreeing with God's promises for my life, not my circumstances. What, what are you fighting against with your mouth, with your tongue? That's why it is so important When you're going through crisis, to choose your friends wisely. Jesus, when he went to raise a woman, a girl from the dead, there were people in the room, they're, oh, 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 oh." and he put them all out. He said, get out of here. He said it kindly, but I need you out. I love you. Go. Then he raised her from the dead. Peter did the exact same thing. When Peter raised somebody from the dead, they were all mourning and they're saying, look, look, look. And he said, okay, you guys need to go out. He did just the same thing Jesus did. You guys go to the other room. And he closed the door and he raised the girl from the dead. Now, of course, we all have wonderful friends and we love each other and we'll go through life together. But when I'm going through a crisis and I need people to speak words of faith and agree with me, I choose those people wisely. When I go through a crisis, you need to, too. Did you know this? God speaks in past tense about the things that had not even happened yet. See, this is when we're getting into ridiculous land. In our human, natural, finite minds. But we are not a natural people. We are a spiritual people. We are a supernatural people. We have the mind of Christ. Or is the only difference between us and those who haven't come to Christ yet that we're saved and we get to go to heaven? Or is there more to it than that? Example of this truth, Abraham. His name was Abram. And he did not have any children, and he was too old to have children. And God said to Abram, I'm changing your name to Abraham. The H is the name of God. He mixed God's name and Abraham's name, and that literally means the father of many nations. Why did he do that before Abraham even had one child? That's ridiculous to look at somebody and say, you're healed. Oh, that's nice. My body is racked with pain and I'm suffering and you have the insensitivity, insensitivity 
to say to me, you're healed. But that's what the Lord says after Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead. He said, by his stripes, we were healed. That's how I got healed. I meditated healing scriptures until one day, bam, on the inside of me, I got this revelation. I'm not going to be healed one day. I didn't even... I didn't even get the revelation that I am healed. The revelation I got was I was healed when Jesus died on the cross for me, for my sins, sicknesses, and diseases. I said, I was healed. And once I believed that, it began to change my body until I was completely healed. He changed Abraham's Abraham's name to Abraham before Abraham even had a child. Why? Because every time Abraham would introduce himself to somebody, what is your name, father of many nations? Okay. Cuckoo. The poor guy doesn't even have a child. His wife is barren, and he's going around town introducing himself as the father of many nations. Not even just six children, many nations. Because God wanted him to agree with God's destiny for his life. He didn't want him walking around saying, I'm fatherless. I mean, I'm childless. My wife is barren. Yeah, that's true in the natural. But God wanted him to begin agreeing with his mouth with God's plan for his life. Same thing with, this is interesting, with Mary and Zechariah, who is John the Baptist's dad. The angel Gabriel, who's the messenger angel from heaven, comes to Zechariah, who is John the Baptist's dad, and says, Elizabeth, your wife, is going to have a baby. And he says, how's that going to happen? And the angel said, well, you're going to find out, but until it happens, I'm going to shut your mouth. He couldn't speak for nine months. Well, that's weird. God wanted to produce a miracle, and, and, and Zechariah was not agreeing with it, so he made him go mute. For nine months. The same angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a child. But it's not going to happen through Joseph or any human being. And she asked the exact same question. Well, how's this going to happen? And he tells her and does not shut her mouth. Ah, what was the difference? She was asking differently. When people come to me and they or to Mark, or to leadership of the church, and they have a question about leadership, a question about what we're doing and how we're doing stuff, I can have two people ask me the same question. One's going to get an answer, the other one's not. The one who comes, and I can tell it's a critical spirit, I'm not going to sit down and explain to you everything we're doing because you just are going to criticize everything we do. But the person that says, I'm all in, how are we going to do this? I'll sit down and explain the vision to them as long as they need to get it so we can run together. That's the difference between Zechariah and Mary. But isn't it interesting that he shut Zechariah's mouth? God created the worlds through his words. Look what the Bible says about God using his words to create the world. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Psalm 33, 6 through 9. The Lord merely spoke 
And the heavens were created. He breathed the word. And all the stars were born. This isn't poetry. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord. And let everyone stand in awe of Him. For when He spoke, the world began. If you are wondering how that happened. It appeared at His command. Isaiah 54, talking about Israel when they were in captivity and had no land. Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem. You who have never been in labor for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Though it had not happened in the natural yet. Jesus used God's words to, to, to defeat Satan. It is written, it is written, it is written. When Satan attacked Jesus, Jesus used words to make him go away. He quoted scripture. See, listen, Jesus said in John 6, 36, look at this. My, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So how do you speak faith-filled words? You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you've got to have the word of God flowing through you. If you are not in prayer in God's presence and meditating the word of God, you're spiritually anemic. And I mean that not as an insult, just as a fact. You don't eat food for a few days, you're going to be physically anemic. You don't read books, you're going to be mentally anemic. You don't read the word of God and pray, you are spiritually weak. That's why you don't care about the spirit realm. You don't care really that much about God or about the kingdom of God or the things of God or God's purpose and destiny for your life. You're literally, oh, we just lost one of our four lights or something just happened. Oh, those, those blew out. Okay. Come back in Jesus' name. Tim Willits, walk on water. For those of you who know Tim Willett, that looks like him. I believe it's critical for us to understand the power of words, but especially what the passage we're about to read, I want to talk specifically now about speaking faith-filled words to natural situations and circumstances. The passage we're going to read, for some of you, is a passage with negative connotations because in what was called the faith movement in the 70s and 80s, it was overused. And it was used to name it and claim it. And whatever I say, whatever I confess, I get. Which is absolute foolishness. But many have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Like prophecy, the Bible says, do not despise prophecy. I know people in the church who despise prophecy. When they hear that somebody prophesied over somebody or something, they're like, yeah, well, we'll see. That's despising prophecy. Rather than, well, let's see. Like, let's see if it's true or not. Rather, it's despising prophecy. It's criticizing. Many people do the same thing with what I'm about to teach. It's because people have overused the power of faith confessions, you don't use them at all. And it is to your loss and to everybody's loss around you that you can influence and pray for and see great things happen. Let's look at our master who is the teacher of this particular topic. Mark eleven twelve through 24. Let's read this together. I mean, I'm going to read it. You listen, but we're doing it together. Now, the next day, when they had come out of Bethany, he was hungry, Jesus. Seeing afar a fig tree, uh, seen afar, see, seen from afar, 
seen from afar, a fig tree. Thank you. Hey, I I can speak faith-filled confessions, I just can't read. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on him. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs, which I'll explain if I have a moment. In response, Jesus said to it, let no in response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple, began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught and said to them, It is written, My house should be called a house of prayer for all nations at 9.30 a.m. every Sunday morning at the Gathering Place Church. But you have made it a den of thieves, for those of you who don't come. I'm kidding. Not. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look! The fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, there's an object lesson, Jesus. This was an object lesson for Jesus. He was actually talking about Israel, and they were fruitless. And so he was using the fig tree, which is a metaphor for the nation of Israel. And because Israel wasn't bearing fruit, Jesus cursed the fig tree. The fig tree died, and Jesus said, so it will be with the nation of Israel. Seventy years later, Israel is completely wiped off the map. But though that was the primary lesson of the fig tree, we cannot allow that object lesson to overshadow this one very important fact. Your Savior, your guide, your leader spoke to a tree. Can you imagine walking down the street with your Christian friend? They say, hang on for a second, I've got to talk to this tree. Jesus spoke to a tree. Now, it's not like Josh speaking to his guitar. I mean, he calls his guitar she and has a name for her. Mark does too. I mean, they they name their guitars and they talk to them. But I don't think they expect them to respond other than when you pluck them. But I'm like, if you're across the room and you say, oh, my sweet darling, sing to me, and your guitar starts playing for you, now we're into witchcraft. This, this, well... Mark says, well, not necessarily so. We'll have to talk later. But people name their cars. They talk to their cars. When they polish the car, they say, okay, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about actually talking to a tree and expecting the tree to respond. And it did. It died overnight, dried up from the roots. 
You say, yeah, but that was Jesus. Come on. Did you read that passage with me? Did you see what happened when the disciples freaked out at what they just saw? And what did Jesus say? Boys, you can do it too. What? Mm -hmm. And we see this in the Scriptures. We see Peter looking at a dead woman and just said to her, Arise! Boom! Book of Acts, read it. He didn't pray, didn't ask for her to be healed, just spoke to her. We saw last week, walking by a crippled man at the gate called Beautiful. They said, we don't have any money to give to you, but what we do have, we give to you. Stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. Boom! Paul, he's on the island of Patmos preaching the gospel. And there was a sorcerer there trying to stop the king from believing the gospel. And it says, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at him and said, Oh, you deceiver and liar, an enemy of all that's true and good. You're going to go blind for a season. Boom, the dude goes blind. John Mark got offended and went home. I was up in the mountains for a few days when I was mid-20s. I was full of anxiety, and I could not get rid of it. And I didn't know what it was. So I went up to the mountain with a jug of water and my dog and the Bible and a little book called The Blood Covenant, which I taught on last week or two weeks ago, which I really encourage you to listen to because it's the foundation for our faith. And I was up in the mountains for three days. I talked to nobody for three days. I just drank water and talked to God. And it was a powerful three days. During that three days, reading the blood covenant, learning about these things, the Lord was teaching me the things I'm teaching you right now. And I had a friend that had not had a job in three years, living on SSI, and he kept trying to get a job, kept trying to get a job. He was living with me in my apartment because he didn't have anywhere to live, didn't have any money. So I was putting him up out of one bedroom apartment. He's sleeping on the couch. And I was up there in the mountain. When I got a hold of what I'm teaching you today, This faith rose up in me from my friend Donnie. And I got so angry because I know it's not God's will for him to be without a job for three years. That's a no-brainer, right? God wants the man working. Men who are out of work are miserable human beings. You don't want to be around them. Men have to be building something or breaking something. That's what we do. We build stuff and we blow stuff up. That's pretty much all we're good for. Give me something to fix or give me something to deconstruct. We start when we're like three, right? We just break stuff. Then we learn how to build stuff. And then, unfortunately, we still break stuff. But we can fix it if you give us time. Have you ever seen that video of the girl with the nail in her forehead and the husband's trying to fix her problem? Oh, my gosh. you got to look it up. It's just hilarious. That's what we do. We fix stuff. So I'm up there in the mountains, and all of a sudden, this faith rises up in me. And I remember standing in that cabin up in Big Bear... Just my dog, just, you know, after three days, my dog just freaked out. It's like, what the heck are we doing up here? And who are you talking to? And I, was, and I just, I, I saw it. I got a hold of it. And I declared, in the name of Jesus Christ, Donnie has a job. I mean, really? There's nobody here. 
and you're yelling to the air and you're declaring things. But I knew I had a hold of something. I knew it was the will of God. And I know that we are to proclaim God's will in the earth. Our mouths agreeing with heaven's mouth, God's mouth, God's will in the earth, using our words for good. I came down off the mountain on Friday. I had prophesied it on Tuesday. My neighbor, Brian Riley, came up to me and said, Hey, you'll never guess who got a job. And I said, Donnie, how did you know? You've been gone for a week. I said, did he get the job on Tuesday? I said, yes. Jesus, this man came to Jesus in Mark chapter 8, I believe. This man came to Jesus, Matthew, something. It's in the Bible. And he said, my servant lies at the point of death. Please come lay your hands on him. And Jesus, no, 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 no. He said, my servant lies at the point of death. And Jesus said, I will come lay hands on him. And you know what the guy said to him? He was a soldier, which, which will make sense in why that's important. The soldier said, you don't need to come lay your hands. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus spoke the word and said, your servant is healed. And Jesus turns to Israel, the Israelites, and says this, I've not found this kind of faith in all of Israel. And what I don't want is for Jesus to say, I haven't found this kind of faith at the Gathering Place Church. I don't want that to be our reputation. I want him to see the Gathering Place Church and say, wow, I haven't seen even that kind of faith in the entire body of Christ worldwide. (laughs) Yes, Josh, you and me, we'll do it. Do you know the Lord's prayer that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is actually, it's not a request, it's actually a declaration. The verb tense is imperative. It's literally this, and this is how I pray this. Kingdom of God, come! Will of God, be done in that situation. And then you start declaring what you know to be God's will in any given situation. You're releasing God's will into the earth through your faith filled words. Now, I don't believe all words are faith-filled or fear-filled. I think you can take it too far and say you can't joke around, you can't tell a joke, it's perverted speech and all that. I don't personally believe that. But when you're speaking and you know it's filled with fear, mm, shut your mouth. Get into the Word of God. Get that Word in there's like Ajax on Greece. Let it carve away that fear, doubt, and unbelief. Let into that faith Boom, I know I believe it. Now speak by faith what you know to be true. And you'll be on God's page. I have so much more to teach on this point. But that was like a quarter of my message. But I'll tell you another story. So this last week, I was walking my dog. And my dog's blind. I've been laying hands on my dog's eyeballs to get them open, and they just haven't opened yet. But I'm going to keep praying. But, it, but I'm walking, and I've I got to constantly turn around because 
you know, he's blind. So he banks off the sides of the road, going down the road looking at me like this. And I look back, and I didn't see him. And all of a sudden, I saw him climbing out of a ditch, right? Sorry, I wasn't keeping my eye on you close enough. And you fell into a ditch. And he... Sorry. <laughs> Poor puppy. <laughs> and so, he, but, but he's limping up to me like this. He can't, he's on three legs. He can't use this leg. It's like, and, I, and then I felt really bad. So the Lord probably allowed what happened next for me because I, he was having mercy on me for being a bad dog owner. <laughs> and uh, I just preached on the name of Jesus last Sunday. And so there's my dog. There's the whatever's happened to it. And I'm thinking, vet bills, i got to pick this dog up, carry him home, take him to the vet. I thought, or, and I put his paw in my hand and I spoke to it. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed. And I put it back down and I said, come on. And I started walking and he limped for a second and then he started hopping like this. And we started running down the road together, completely healed. Then I spoke to his eyes, and they didn't open. Look, we don't bat a thousand. If we stop swinging, we're not even going to get a single. Some of you are upset because God would heal a dog, but you're not healed yet. I don't know what to say. Other than, yeah, keep going for it, you know? I mean, maybe it's easier to heal pets because they don't talk back. They can't say, yeah, but. They don't know. And I mean that. They don't have unbelief. There's all sorts of reasons why things don't happen right away. But we just can't stop believing. My encouragement to you is to line up your mouth. Your words, your tongue with God's mouth. And I believe you'll start seeing more heaven on earth if you do. Now, what I want to do to wrap up our service today. I didn't build up this whole message to receive the offering because we want your money. And therefore, oh, the whole culmination of the message is money. My wife and I have actually been in churches like that. And it's so distasteful, we stop inviting people. I was on staff at a church, and I stopped inviting people to the church because it was money, 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 money. It it is so disheartening. That's not who we are, and that's not why we are about to give a faith declaration and give our offerings. That's not what it's about. And people say, oh, they just want our money. No, we do want your money for the gospel, for building a great church with Jesus Christ so that the world can be blessed through us. Absolutely. This is the greatest thing on the planet, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it takes finances. And I give, all the leadership gives, we all should give, everybody should be giving. But they just want my money, no, that's not true at all. We just want you blessed by God, and so you've got to do your part. You see, not only do we, not only do we agree and decree God's will, sometimes you've got to do God's will too. Like Bella and I agreed and decreed that she would get 80 points higher, but then she had to do a lot of work. My son Josiah, I asked him, what's impossible? And he said that I would get a B in math. (laughs) 
So we knelt down by my bed, and I said, let's agree and decree. Joshua Etor, Joshua Heab Etor, Josiah. Well, Joshua is one of my spiritual sons. I get you guys all mixed up. And you, you and Josiah are like twin brothers. For those of you who don't know, my son Josiah is from Ethiopia. And Josh is not. Anyway. So we decreed. Josh, <laughs> Josiah, do you, did you get a B in math or am I needing to believe God for something for you? <sighs> you have a B in math. And then he had to work hard, but it was still impossible because he had already worked hard and he kept failing. Not only did he get a B in math, he was on the, he was on the honor roll, 3.0. He called me from school this week using a landline because he doesn't have a cell phone. Literally went to the office and called me in the middle of the day. What are you doing? Dad, I got an A plus on a math test. (laughs) I was like, what? Miracles. But look, he had to go to school. He had to study and he had to work hard. But we mixed our faith with his hard work. You can't just decree God's financial blessings on your life if you're not tithing. It won't work. You don't just prophesy money, a bag of money appears in your living room. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you doing your part and then believing God and agreeing with Him for His supernatural promises. So, some of you may not have mixed your faith with this faith declaration we're about to use. But I pray that you, you, uh, you believe it now more than ever. Um, I want to ask uh, 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 Chris, I want to ask that you put up a scripture it's the scripture out of uh, Job. It's about de- declaration. I want to give one more scripture to support this teaching. And then I want us to do it together. Do you know which one I'm talking about? You shall decree a thing. Okay, look at this passage. This is actually in the Bible. You will, okay, will you say this out loud with me? You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. When they say, when they cast you down and you say, exaltation will come, then he will save the humble person. is that amazing? Some of you need financial breakthroughs, and this is the moment. This is the time for you to cross the chicken line. Start trusting God with your finances. If you have not been tithing, begin tithing. And as we bring our offering to the Lord today, we make this declaration together today, Agreeing, our mouths agreeing with heaven's mouth, our tongues agreeing with God's word. Let's watch God begin to break through in your life. Then you can be like Mike Williams who stood up for last week in tears saying, not only did God come through for us to meet our needs, but he came through so much we're able to bless other families now. I know that's your desire, not just scraping by. And guess what? God's not broke. But you have got to do your part you got to cross the chicken line and start trusting God with the first 10% of your income. And then agreeing with God, my God will provide. My God is faithful. We will see the faithfulness of the Lord in the land of the living. So let's all stand on our feet this morning. And if you've already given, you're declaring over what you've already given. If you give online or you text to give, then you're agreeing with what you've already done. If you don't give, to the kingdom of God through your church. 
Right now, make a covenant in your heart. Make a a decision in your heart. I am going to stop making excuses. I'm going to stop saying, oh, they want your money. Just That's an excuse. That's really what that is. Just stop it. You're robbing yourself. Just trust God and watch what he'll do. I forgot. I have a testimony for you. Somebody in the church. This came in this week. She's working in the nursery right now, so otherwise she'd be up here giving this testimony. So glad I remembered this. This is from Sarah. She sits right behind us, hon, every Sunday. It's real short. With my husband getting stationed in North Chicago... And me getting out of the military, our financial situation had changed and we were still trying to figure out all the finances and money was becoming tight. My husband getting less, being stationed in North Chicago and me only receiving a disability check, which is less than half of what I used to make in a month. My husband started to worry. He was making and going over budgets almost every day, if not twice a day. Then childcare was becoming a possible issue. We are part of a program that helps our military families pay for a part of the childcare. And with me being out and being a full-time student, we weren't sure how much they would cover as our application was being reviewed. My husband started worrying more, telling me we were going to have to take our daughter out of daycare if they covered less than currently. I'd have to quit my volunteer work with the VA and figure out how to balance school and watching her. Now, first off, my husband's not a believer, but I told him, Though I know you don't believe this, I know God will provide. Boom. Now, God had been weighing on my heart for a while now to do my full 10% for tithing. So I finally broke down and calculated out what 10% was for my disability check. Now, that's faith. From my disability check. I wasn't going to take away money from my husband. That's his money. Now, even with him freaking out about money and checking both of our accounts to see where the money was going, I decided still to take out the money for the month for my 10% and put it towards our church, and God gave it and God and, and gave it to God that upcoming Sunday. That next day, you knew this was coming, right? That next day, we got notification from the program helping with childcare. They are covering the full cost of daycare. God gave us back, God giving us, God giving us doubt back from what I am putting forth for tithing. Double back. God giving us double back for what I put forth in tithing. God is good. God does provide. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right. I want you blessed. I want you to be a blessing. And this is how it begins right here. So at one voice, God, I know you're listening. We're going to agree with heaven in this place. You're going to unleash heaven on us. With our mouths, we decree and declare and believe, and we're going to obey. All right. I want the band. You guys look this way. Grab a screen and let's declare. Will, can you crank your neck? You need this more than anybody. You ready? I'm kidding. Here we go. Out loud. I am the Lord all-powerful, 
And I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% of your income into the storehouse so there will be food in my house. Then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. I will also stop the devourer from destroying your crops and keeping your vineyards from producing. Everyone of every nation will talk about how I have blessed you and about your wonderful land. I, the Lord All-Powerful, have spoken. Okay, that's His Word. Now here's our declaration. Out loud, come on. Thank you, Lord, that as we joyfully and willingly give you our offerings this year, you will meet all our financial needs so that we may have more than enough to give to the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. For 2019, we are believing for heaven opened and earth invaded, storehouses unlocked and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, grace, favor, and divine manifestations, anointings and callings, positions and raises, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every nation, saved and set free through kingdom demonstration. Amen and amen. Give a shout of praise. Come on. Amen. Ushers, let's receive the offering. As he was, they're receiving the offering, Josh is going to lead us in worship. And the massive prayer teams to come down front after you've given. And you come down here if you've got sickness or disease in your body, or if you need a breakthrough in some area of your life, and they are going to proclaim God's power over you. And we're going to bleed for miracles in this place today. God bless you.